0: Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show
1: on ESPN Pittsburgh.
2: Big time news coming from Pirates Camp. And I'm talking about groundbreaking stuff here. Oh. Uh, I'm talking about breaking through the glass now ceiling. Tyler Glass now will be starting the season. In the Pirates bullpen. So Tom, are you, it sucks serious? For you, are you man. serious, man? I know, dude. It sucks <laughs> for you. What are <laughs> you <they laughs> doing over there? Yesterday, They were so shooting high. themselves in the foot! So high on Tyler Glass now. And unfortunately...
1: Have you ever seen an ace come out of a bullpen? Actually, yes. Well, (laughs) okay.
2: (laughs) You You ever heard of Mariana Rivera? Pretty good, man. That guy, solid. Also, there's this picture circulating the interwebs, and I saw it about a dozen times on Twitter of a baseball on Mars. They say they don't know how it got there. I think it was just Tyler Glass now warming up. Matt Gajka, Gajka joins us now here on the program. Matt, happy birthday.
3: Thank you, and I appreciated the voicemail from you and your crew yesterday. It was uh, quite a surprise. Very warm yeah, <laughs> from you, you guys.
2: You sound just so enthused by it, Matt. I mean, so much energy just coming out of your mouth right now.
3: I've got to save it for the game. I'm over to PPG. PPG Paint. Man, I'm not even awake right now. Okay, I'm good. Let's do this. What the hell is
2: happening at PPG Paint's?
3: Something.
2: Are the Penguins gonna playing tonight? Pick,
3: pick out, uh, I'm going to pick out some pigment from my walls and then watch the Penguins play the Devils.
2: That's a good joke. I'll allow it. But no, seriously, Gatchka, is there a Penguins game tonight?
3: Uh, yeah, I know. You're all tied up. Uh, let's go, Mountaineers. Let's go drink some beers, all that stuff. No, but, I wasn't going to yeah. say
2: anything about Marshall, but I will, I will, I will plead total
3: <laughs> ignorance here.
2: I will plead uh, total ignorance here. I had zero idea, none, <laughs> that the Penguins were playing tonight. 727. V Nova. Only thing I care about, but I guess this is where we'll go in this conversation. Who are they playing?
3: The New Jersey Devils. No, they're playing the Devils. Yes, yes,
2: that, they are. The, that plays the so perfectly. Are in
3: danger of falling out of the playoff field.
2: Oh, so. Geica, this is great because I had a take that I. What are you ordering, coffee or something?
3: Huh? No. Did you, just,
2: did you just tell someone to have a good day? No. I
3: did not. I don't know what you're you're hearing.
2: hearing. Maybe it was someone down here at the bar. Because we are at the Carson City Saloon where you can come on by, grab some Bud Lights, Bud Light Happy Hour from 6 o'clock until 7. I had a take all planned to say Penguins fans don't need to fear the New Jersey Devils because they're not making the playoffs, and I did not even know that they were playing them tonight. So I guess we will start there. Are the Devils going to make the playoffs? I say no because I'm very well
1: informed.
3: I'm starting to think that they're not. The Florida Panthers can't lose lately, well, except the other night against Columbus. But they still have those games in hand, and they've been playing a lot better than New Jersey over the last five or six weeks. The Panthers have been pretty incredible. And it looks like with the Jackets having won 10 in a row that the only spot left is going to be up to the two teams I just mentioned, Florida and New Jersey. And, yeah, if you had to pick a team that's playing well right now, you'd have to go with the Panthers.
2: Matt Gatchka, now how old?
3: 33, thanks for the reminder. Yeah.
2: 33 joins us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, before we get back into the Penguins talk, uh, we had discussed on the air yesterday that you guys probably gathered around at the dinner table last night, you and your wife and your lovely son, and probably listened to the Crowley Show uh, after we wished you a happy birthday. Is that what happened?
3: Aren't you guys off the air by the time you, uh, <laughs> you wish me the happy birthday? we we called you on the air. Oh, I didn't realize that. I just got the second one. And you're supposed to be the smart guy.
2: You're supposed to be the analytics guy, the bright one, and you don't even know what the hell's going on here.
3: I was busy. I was frazzled. I didn't handle my birthday well. It was like the first birthday I've had where I wasn't excited about it. I don't know what's different about 32 compared to 33, but it got me down. Today's a better day, though. Well, wasn't 33 as old as Jesus was when he died? That must be it. I'm anticipating a crucifixion, apparently. Subconsciously, it wasn't a good day for me. It just was wrong from the start. But onward we go. I have no choice.
2: Geico, which playoffs in all of sports are the best, in your opinion?
3: Oh, boy. Um, You know, that's funny. I was just thinking about March Madness and how I find, even though there's more chaos now in the first couple of rounds, like now, I'm not really interested at all because... uh, I don't know any of these characters <laughs> as well as I feel we used to maybe 15 20 10 years ago. Uh the NFL has the immediacy. Yes. Basketball has the best ending I think because typically the better teams make it all the way through in basketball. Uh, but um with with the way that hockey is with um when when the energy is out there, there's no better sport than hockey and there is no better time for <laughs> energy than the Stanley Cup playoffs. and I know I just talked about the first couple of rounds in in basketball being the best. The first round in hockey probably is my my favorite couple of weeks in in all of sports, at least pro sports.
2: Do you think that that's the most difficult championship to win?
3: Difficult physically, Um, yeah probably because it takes you so long to get there. It takes two months and you'd already played six months of regular season hockey too basketball uh there are not as many it doesn't seem six and seven game series in basketball for the teams that make it um all the way to the end so splitting hairs um i i also am not a uh a hockey truther when it comes to it being superior to basketball in every way i appreciate basketball i appreciate what the guys do and i think running up and down on hardwood is pretty tough on the knees and on the joints just as much as blocking a shot or uh what have you and in hockey, But I think I'd have to give the, the tiebreaker to hockey in this case.
2: I understand the physical toll that it takes, and I do think that there is that in basketball as well. As for March Madness, I just think the fact that you can't play a bad game or you're gone is what sways me to think that it's the most difficult championship to win from a game standpoint. Uh, the, okay. the wear and tear maybe isn't as much, but I love that. I love that every game is a Game 7. And in hockey, as much as I love the playoffs, and I do, uh, I love hockey, and maybe I am a ho- hockey truther, but uh, <laughs> I, just, I just think you got to wait a while for it to get to that. Last year, Game 7 against Washington, I had beads of sweat coming down my brow. Uh, I was living and dying with every scoring chance. And then you hop ahead to the next series, Game 1 against Ottawa, and I'm sitting on my couch and you see Bobby Ryan score, and I was like, eh, we'll get him next time.
3: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Maybe it's just a matter of, uh, of picking what definition for, uh, for difficult we want to use here, right? Is it uh, just in terms of odds or in terms of mental focus? Then, yeah, you're probably right. Whatever bet- best fits home, my
2: argument, I think, is what I want to go with, Deika. I think that's the way it, I want to do it. If
3: winner go home six straight times, you're not going to get an argument for me as far as having to be at your best. Uh, but difficult if you're talking uh, physicality and uh, energy expended. I don't think you can beat the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it does wear teams down. Um, I, I almost wish they could find a way. Well, they could probably go back to a five-game series in the first round that I wouldn't be torn up about it. Same deal with the NBA. Just to save the legs for the end. Um, Penguins-Predators was a good series last year. But I remember thinking, wow, if, if the Pens were at their full speed and the Predators were at their full speed, it would have been – even better, but you just yes. saw some moments where it, you can't keep it up for that long. It's impossible.
2: Should it be about the best team winning, Matt, or should it be about what is perceived to be more entertaining?
3: <laughs> Boy, that's the $100,000 question here. Uh, and you're getting
2: paid I, nothing to answer it.
3: Exactly, yeah. So well above my pay grade. I still prefer to see the better teams in there more often than not. And this goes back to my March Madness theory. I don't really – do I think Loyola Chicago is one of the best eight teams in the country? Hell no. I don't know if that feels right to me.
2: You're going maybe to hell. Couple, You're going to go to hell. a
3: couple of rounds. I know Sister Jean is isn't It going to like me very much. Yeah. But uh, I still prefer, if I had to, to make a call one way or the other, I still prefer to see the team that had been the best over the course of the season um, be rewarded in that way. And maybe there's a way to do that with buys to make it more likely um, I don't know, but it seems backwards to me that you play for as long as you do in the regular season, and then it can all go away or um, you can salvage a bad season or a mediocre season maybe by just a couple of hot weeks at the end.
2: Well, let me take that one further then, and Matt Geica joins us here uh, He at com, also co-owner of pittsburghhockeynow.com joining me on the show. I think baseball does it the absolute worst way. The absolute worst way. You tell me that if you want the best team that I'd say then, okay, take the regular season champion, the way that they used to, the way that they do it in the premiership over across the pond. You play 162 or something, and you got the best record. I'm inclined to believe you're the best team.
3: Maybe it's just time to call off the playoffs. In like fact, half these games are snowed out anyway by the time they get to the end. Um, or you could just give out two trophies, something like that, because I do enjoy postseason baseball. Oh, I CBS love postseason
2: it. baseball. It's fabulous. Yeah, it, it,
3: it's fun that the urgency is, is a real slap in the face after 162 games. Yeah. Where you're thinking, well, you can't burn this pitcher here because you might need him next Tuesday. In, in the case of the playoffs, there really isn't any consideration for that. Starters are out in the second, and it's all hands on deck. So I wish there could be a happy medium maybe in the two sports, maybe cut about a month off the regular season. But if you're going to do it this way, I think you have to reward the – uh, the the best team in the regular season in some form or fashion. Give him a bonus. I don't know what, because it doesn't seem fair.
2: Gajka, how young is your uh, young buck now these days?
3: <laughs> he's uh, 16 months, going to be uh, 17 in a week.
2: If he were to fill out a bracket, and you were to fill out a bracket, we're, he's yelling in the background. He wants on the air. He is. <laughs> Do you think that he would have as good of a shot as you to put up good numbers in an ESPN
3: bracket pool (laughs) um if it's totally random I know that's not really what you're asking but if you just randomize everything well yeah you're not going to do that great there's still some value to looking at the seeds I think just seeds overall There was some boring article in the the Wall Street Journal that said just pick the seeds and you'll beat everyone in your pool more often than not well I don't know if anyone's wanted to do that what's the fun in that right so um uh, he would probably come fairly close this year, though, right, with with how I think so. insane things have been. Yeah.
2: My wife's doing better than I am. Uh, we had Will Graves on in the last segment. His son is doing better than I am. <laughs> and I've, I've watched a lot of college basketball this year. Uh, I think that the analysis that we get, to me, it just rings hollow when it's a tournament where you lose one game and you're out. You don't play your best. And it might not even matter who you're playing uh, to point to Virginia and you're out. And I always find that radio to be my least favorite radio when people are just saying, well, this team, I don't have a chance. Uh, Shut up. Matt Gatchka, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, All that being said, uh, Marshall, man, I'll tell you, big game, blew it.
3: They sure did. The moment looked way too big for
2: my. They did get years. screwed though. You and you and I, we went back and forth briefly on Twitter. They got screwed because the referees in that game. My God, if if West Virginia gets that kind of officiating tonight, to now actually do predictive sports talk radio as it relates to the tournament, they're going to beat Villanova if they're allowed to hand check on every single
1: possession. Uh,
3: there were quite a few calls, hand checking, and also some under the basket stuff that I thought could have gotten a whistle, whistles that Marshall got against Wichita State the previous round. WVU had such a, a strength and size and athleticism advantage, it needed to be called uh, by the book to the nth degree for Marshall to have a chance. And uh, once things started to tilt uh, away from them and, and Huggins turned up the pressure, uh, there wasn't much there. And it was weird because I was really happy to see Marshall play West Virginia. That was just fun to see it. In the it tournament. was. It, it really was. And uh, there are all kinds of good things that come from that. Um, as far as just the state of West Virginia and, and people getting excited about basketball. But um, I would have rather lost to basically any team in the tournament than West Virginia, because then I have to hear from it from all my former high school classmates who went to uh, went to West Virginia. And when you grow up in the state, people just root for the Mountaineers by default. So it's not even like you have to go there. So that was uh, a, a tough second half and the, the whole next day after that loss.
2: I will sidestep the... Talk that only you and I care about, uh, a real in, in, a, in a second here. Uh, but Marshall should be pretty good next year. That's all I, gotta say. I got to say. Pretty much everyone coming back, including that guy who looks like he he looks like DUI, right? I mean, Ott Elmore <laughs> looks like a DUI.
3: <laughs> you said it. I didn't. I'm not going to go that far <laughs> uh, about a fellow I, son of Marshall. How dare I'm
2: sure does. I'm sure that he will thunder his way to great things uh, in the future. Uh, last thing Maybe. here for you, uh, Matt. We talked about New Jersey, however brief we did, uh, because I didn't know that the Penguins were playing them tonight. Uh, if the Penguins were to pick a team from the Metro the day to play in the first round, who do you think is the best matchup for them?
3: Uh, well, if you throw New Jersey out right now, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to make it. I don't think they're going to make it. Uh, well, then fly, the Flyers probably because they have handled them fairly well. I know they didn't play great from the last time they, uh, they met them out in Philly, but they pulled out the win. Um, I, I think the experience rules there. The Flyers like to play a similar way to, to how the Penguins do, but the Flyers don't have the goaltending. Even with Peter Mrazek, he's a flight upgrade, and um, I would just like the experience to win out in the end. Uh, in the in the pressure moments, I think the Penguins would probably execute better than Philadelphia. Uh, but it's looking more and more like it's going to be the Blue Jackets if they keep winning. Then yeah. they're going to put themselves in that two-three matchup, and uh, that'll be uh, a series that'll take it out of you, no doubt. And um, You know what, Matt? I actually extra... kind of
2: think, and sorry to interrupt, I kind of think right. that I'd rather have the Blue Jackets maybe win that number one overall seed in the Metro and, and take my chances with Washington. I like Washington's talent, but I don't like playing a team that's got things clicking and a team that really believes in themselves and one that is out for blood against Pittsburgh. Not that Washington isn't. Obviously they are, but the Blue Jackets have been playing great now that they have the greatest hockey player
3: of all time, and Ian Cole on their side. He has a couple of goals for them, too, somehow.
2: He's, so, uh, he's, he's been more he productive goal-scoring-wise than Daniel Broussard has, even though his name's Derek.
3: <laughs> yes, uh, well, D. Broussard. Anyway, they're tied, I want to say, with the Penguins, two apiece <laughs> the, uh, since the trade deadline. Yeah, Man. I'd rather face Washington, too, I think. I don't believe they're, uh, they're just not in a good mental state against the Penguins. The Jackets are still young and foolish enough to think they could pull it off, and they might be able to if they played the Pens again.
2: Really appreciate the time, man. Uh, Celebrate your birthday weekend accordingly, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: Woo! Thanks a lot. appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and uh, I guess go ears, whatever.
2: Yes! (laughs) Thank you, Gatchka. Goodbye.
3: You're welcome. Bye.
2: PittsburghHockeyNow.com, PiratesProspects.com. I like that guy. Coming up next, the most antiquated thing in sports. I'll tell you what that is, and we're going to talk to a nun. It's the Crowley Show.
3: Buddy, we're number one, we beat anybody. We're the devils!
2: The devils! Anybody glanced at the Grapefruit League standings recently? If you did, be prepared to A, not be surprised, and B, at the same time, still find a way to be disappointed. The Pirates are in last place in the Grapefruit League, and my God, they're a disgrace. There's nothing more important to Pirates fans, I think, or should be more important to Pirates fans, than the Grapefruit League. It's an opportunity to win your league. Everyone's putting jabronis out there. Hell, the Mets had Tim Tebow in camp. And you can't even win the damn Grapefruit League? Hell, you don't even need to win it. In fact, I'm probably shooting for the moon there. I might land amongst the stars, but it does not matter. How about you just finish in a respectable spot in the Grapefruit League standings? Now you pile on with the fact that Tyler now is going to start the season in the bullpen? <sighs> I'm done with him. I'm done with them. I'm an Indians fan now, and I hope that every each and one of you who's listening to the show will jump on the bandwagon of my Windians, walk the plank in the Pirates, and join my Pirates mutiny. Arrgh! 412 922 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Got smoked by the Phillies today. There was a brief period in time where I think Pirates fans could have taken solace in the fact that, okay, we're not the worst baseball team in the state. Uh, the Phillies won the World Series. Then they had the slow rebuild. It was an absolute, unmitigated disaster. And you thought, okay, maybe the Pirates, they can carry the flag, the Jolly Roger for this state for a little while. And no, the Phillies beat the snot out of the Pirates today. The Phillies moving in the right direction. The Pirates, they're okay with just treading water. They're okay with just being the middle ground. Sucks. It's awful. It's terrible. And the worst thing is, they're going to be last in the Grapefruit League. And then they're going to be right around 500 by the All-Star break. And it doesn't buy you anything. It's just going to put people in the seats. And that's the last thing I think that Pirates Nation needs to be doing. Going to baseball games. Baseball's antiquated, man. Baseball, to me, is old. old. I don't need it in my life anymore if, if there's a bad baseball team. People tell me all the time, oh, don't try to take a nice evening away from me. Don't try to take baseball and beer in a beautiful summer evening away from me and my friends. Man, I'm not trying to take anything from you. Bob Nutting took that from you. And I'm now in a place in my life, and you all should be too, if you're listening to the show, you're like me, where you don't want to go sit down and even though the ambiance is great, watch something that bad. The idea of baseball itself being a draw is antiquated. You're in your 40s or 50s if you feel that way. You know, also is antiquated handshake lines. Last night after Kentucky... Right down their leg... Kansas State's going buck wild. They were 0-9 all time against Kentucky. They're running all over the court. Bruce Weber actually smiled maybe for the first time in his life, and he shakes Cal's hand. But when he shakes Cal's hand, you've got all of the Kentucky players walking off the court and all of the Kansas State players jumping up and down in sheer jubilation, which led to after the game, Kansas State players bitching and moaning about the fact that Kentucky did not hang around for the handshake line. You had Coach Cal say, we gave an opportunity to shake our hand, but they were celebrating. Uh, no one's offended here. No one should be offended here. It's just what went down. And a couple of things stick out to me. One, why in the world are we doing the handshake line anymore? And two, why would a winning team really be all that upset about not getting the handshake? You got the dub. You won the game. You beat Kentucky. You're going to the Elite Eight with a chance to play a team that no one had heard of until Sister Jean opened her mouth. And you're going to go to the Final Four if you win it. And you're going to tell me you're pissed about the handshake line? The handshake line can only be bad, can never be good. It's sportsmanship. Is it really sportsmanship if all the dudes wearing Kentucky blue are forced to be in the line? Is it really sportsmanship if after the Winter Classic when David Steckle took off Sidney Crosby's head, did they wait around, lifted their sticks in the air, waiting for the Penguins to shake their hands, the Penguins never came out and did it? Is it really sportsmanship if the Penguins had to be forced to do it? Is it really sportsmanship if the coach has to grab a guy by his shoulders, by his haunches, by his ear, and force him to do it? I don't think so. I don't know if Loyola Chicago would shake hands if Sister Jean didn't pull out a ruler and smack him on the back of the ass. Poll question, Tom. Is there a front of the ass? Uh, I don't think that it's sportsmanship if you're forced to do it. If my mom tells me, hey, go wish that little league kid a happy life because you just beat him in a baseball game, it doesn't mean it's sportsmanship. You think it's teaching sportsmanship, but none of the Kansas State players wanted to be there, and none of the Kentucky players certainly wanted to be there. So, I think it's antiquated. I think it's stupid. It's dumb in hockey. It's dumb in basketball.
0: Goodbye, antiquated handshake line. It's ridiculous, man. As long as you're, look, sportsmanship is about this. Not pulling a Grayson Allen on somebody during the game. That's sportsmanship right there. Shaking hands has nothing to do with anything. You lost your game. Why would you want to shake hands with the team that just shoved your face down your throat? You know, you do not want that to happen. I don't want to shake their hand. I want to call them names. Honestly, if I'm being honest and I lose to you, you're jackass. Screw you. The last thing I want to do is look you in the eye and go,
1: good job, buddy. Ah, screw you. You know what's ridiculous here is your two takes on handshake lines. Because handshake lines are the backbone of sports. And I will be caught dead if I see a sporting event that doesn't end in a handshake line.
2: Oh, you mean every
1: single football game? Correct. Wait, no. They always <laughs> shake hands. You see the quarterbacks meet in the middle. Tom Brady didn't shake Nick Foles' hand. Yes, no. he did. No, yes, he, he did not. It. He did it after the game, behind the closed doors. I didn't see it, did it on TV, so you it didn't, didn't happen, it? Tom.
0: Didn't happen because I didn't see it on TV. Know,
1: are you serious, Brian? Do you want to go right now? Do you want to go right now?
0: Look, I will beat your ass and then not shake your hand. <laughs> I will smack you with the hand
1: that you want to shake with. <laughs> It's crazy. First of all, guys, you got to remember there's kids watching these games, all right? These athletes are role models for these kids. I don't want kids out there not thinking that they can skate through life without shaking people's hands and paying other people the respect that they deserve and are earned. Oh, Tom, 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 Tom.
2: You're so off base in so oh many ways God. here. First of all, you shouldn't be looking at athletes as your role model. You know who your role model is? Papa Bear. Mama bear. Yep. Maybe you've got two mama bears. It's 2018. Maybe you got two papa bears. Perhaps I'm okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm okay with whatever your domestic style of living is. I'm cool with it. But those are your own role models. Those are the people you look up to. You shouldn't be looking up to the kid from Kentucky who got out rebounded 15 to 10 last night and say I need to look at him to tell me what good sportsmanship is. No, 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 no. That's mama's problem. That's daddy's problem. And yeah, on some level, in youth sports, I can get where you're coming from with the coaches. But I don't need to be watching it on a mainstream level and think, Eh, you know what? I need to see this happen so that my kid
1: can grow up and be a perfect gentleman. F that. No, you're so wrong. You're so wrong here. It's one of the richest traditions in hockey. When they line up after a series is over and they shake each other's hands and they say to each other, you know what? It was a hard-fought series, but at the end of the day, we're, we're both just people, man, and we're both just playing the game we love. I, I respect you, man. You know what
0: a better tradition is? Punching somebody in the face during a hockey game because they got they your way. That. That's a sport do right there. you shake hands
1: afterwards? No, you don't. Just that you're both gentlemen. I just punched that
0: guy. Why would I want to shake his hand? He does to get like hit. He doesn't deserve to get his hand shoved.
2: 412-922-2874. Should we be done with handshake lines? No. I think it's yes. antiquated. No. tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley, absolutely, see you later. I want to raise a kid who when they lose a game, they don't want to shake hands. I want to raise a kid who hates losing. I want to raise a kid that when he gets a B, he's pissed. And let's face it, I went to West Virginia, it took me five years, I'm not the brightest, he's probably only ever going to get B's, but I want him to be pissed when he doesn't get the A. I don't want him to say, oh, you know what, I tried hard. No. You know what sports can really teach you? When you lose, sometimes you lose. And in the real world, if you lose, the other guy's laughing in your face. Uh, Do you think that back in the day, that when the standardized railroad's coming out, (laughs) that they're thinking, you know what? Really, let's go over and shake the hands of everyone else who didn't do it as well as we did. F that. What do you think Andrew Carnegie did? What do you think he did to his competitors? He said, screw you, screw you, screw you. I think losing a basketball game can teach you a lesson about losing in life that you don't get the handshake. You have to move on from not getting the handshake. Not to mention,
0: we got to be sanitary. Hey, you don't want to spread terms. Very good All point. Right, come on. Yep. It's harsh out there. A lot of germs. You don't want to put your hand. And here's another thing. If you're out there, like, playing with your buddy on the court, let's talk sportsmanship, you throw Jay in his face, are you going, hey, good try. Now you're like, in your face, buddy. That's sportsmanship. And the other person on the other end should be man enough to be able to take that. He should not get all whiny. He didn't shake my hand. What it is is it's sports writers. It's these journalists. They all need an angle on games. They need an angle on something. So they're like, you know what? He didn't shake his hand. Oh, my God. The the horror of it all. And they fake this (laughs) some kind of stupid thing where they're like, this is just ruining sports. You know what's ruining sports? Sports. Sports takes like that are ruining sports Don't shake a hand You kick an ass And you look at him and you go I kicked your ass Ed tweets at underscore Adam Crowley Amen Tom
2: I'm with you Sportsmanship Come on Ed I think everybody else That just heard that I'd love to shake Ed's hand You'd probably wind up with botulism Yeah Ebola SARS Can't think of any other diseases H1N1 There you go Good one Bird flu H one N two, H two N two. I've got an infinite number of diseases you could contract by shaking hands, and if you don't shake hands, not gonna get sick. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I always think Brian's brain's gonna pop whenever he gets that animated. <laughs> Back in the studio, though, I now don't hear anything coming from Tom because we just. Thoroughly wipe the floor with
0: him. Beat his ass. And you know what, Crowley? Not going to shake his hand. Not even.
1: Well, you know what? I'll be lining up at half court waiting for you. So, Yeah, you'll be there alone, buddy.
0: Like a Friday night in
2: high school. Up next, we'll ask Ray Fittipaldo about this. I'm guessing that he will say sportsmanship rules. I say sportsmanship is the death of us. Also, Steelers talk. It's the Crowley Show.
3: Ask a doctor, another sports injury report from the orthopedic group. Here's Dr. Ari Pressman. Dr. Pressman, what is an ACL injury and how do you treat it?
0: An ACL injury is an injury to one of the ligaments located within the center of the knee. When it gets injured, the knee does not track correctly and can pop out when athletes cut or turn quickly. The initial treatment is rest, ice, elevation, and allowing the symptoms to fade. Following that, usually surgical reconstruction is required.
3: Thanks, Doctor. The
0: Orthopedic dot com. I wouldn't shake Tom's hand anyway. I mean... Oh, you screw you! I wouldn't let you shake my oh, hand. Oh, my God. I mean, you know what, oh. what happens with Tom and that hand. His pinky nail's really long. It really is, There's and a... I would...
2: Coming up in 17 minutes, we find the nun for West Virginia that can help propel them to the Elite Eight, much the way Sister Jean has propelled UL, Chicago, UC, Loyola, whatever the hell they're called, to the Elite Eight. Before we get to Ray Fittipaldo with some Steelers' takes, let's hear from Ed out in Phoenix next up on The Crowley Show. 4129 222874.
4: What's up, Ed? Hey, Adam. I got two words to completely crush your sportsmanship argument.
2: I'm ready for him, my friend.
4: James Harrison. You know why he gave those medals back? That's because the consolation prize is standing in line and being the man and sucking it up and saying you are the better team today. That's the consolation prize. You know what I'd
2: rather have, Ed? And I appreciate the (laughs) phone call. I'd rather be the Canadian woman. Who lost the gold medal game And took the silver medal off of her She was not having the fact that she lost And I like that In fact, if there's one thing to take from James Harrison
0: He quit on his team this year So enough James Harrison, Ed And another thing, five words James Harrison is a patriot Done Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Love you, Ed
2: We now bring on Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm sure we'll have a good conversation about this now. Uh, Ray, thanks so much for taking the time today, buddy.
4: Yeah, good to be on with you, Adam. How are you?
2: I'm all right, man. Uh, Until 727 when all my hopes and dreams are about to be dashed by Villanova having their way with West Virginia basketball, as I (laughs) knock on wood. Uh, Ray, I think that the handshake line is a little bit antiquated. Uh, What say you to that?
4: You know, I was listening to your show, Adam. I was in the car about 20 minutes ago, and I was trying to think of examples with the Steelers the last couple of years, and I, I couldn't really think of any. I guess you'd have to go back to, what, Sam Weiss and Chuck Noll. That's probably when you were still in diapers. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there really hasn't been any controversies recently, which is surprising considering uh, the Steelers-Bengals series here in the last couple of years. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been some uh post-game shenanigans, but uh, I guess they reserved that for uh, pre-game in Cincinnati.
2: <laughs> right? I think it can be kind of parsed this way, if I want to boil it down a little bit further. If you shake hands, I could see how people would say, you know what, you're a good sport. But I don't like it having to be, fa- uh, to be faked. Like when the, the buzzer beater went off uh, between uh, Michigan and uh, I believe it was Nevada, uh, you saw Mo Wagner, he goes over, he puts his arm around the UL guy. And that to me is sportsmanship because he looked at him and while he was elated, he thought, I feel terrible for that young man. That to me is sportsmanship. When a coach says, you get your butt over here and you need to shake this guy ha- guy's hand, that's faux sportsmanship as far as I'm concerned.
4: Well, since we're on the subject of that, uh, if you remember before Kevin, Kevin Stallings came to Pitt, he had that famous episode at Vanderbilt where he freaked out on one of his own players because something happened in the, in the handshake line. I don't know if you remember that, but, uh, one of his players refused to shake hands with another SEC team. A coach told him about it. And there was this, there's a video out there. Your, your, your listeners can go look it up. Kevin Stallings is just berating his own player for not shaking hands. I guess some of these guys take it seriously, Adam, but I'm with you. I mean, yeah, you know, if you're upset about it, you know, just go on about your business and let's, uh, you know, let's uh, forsake all the, uh, you know, all the uh, haughtiness about the issue.
2: Ray Fittipaldo the Post-Gazette joining me here on the Crowley show. Uh, Ray, Steelers offseason I think thus far has gone about as well as it can go if they were going to try to slap the tag or get something done with Le'Veon. Bill, I guess that might be the better thing if you want to go that way. Maybe they get something done with Le'Veon and still are able to add the pieces. But all things considered, I think Kevin Colbert's done a fabulous job if their primary concern was bringing Lev back and then adding a couple things.
4: Yeah, I think considering the, the lack of cap space, Adam, to go out and get a guy who can start for you, an inside linebacker, Um, was really important. And they did the same thing. at safety. I think Morgan Burnett is probably more cemented into that starter's role than than anything because they're paying him $5 million a year. So Um, I wrote about this earlier this week. Um, This really takes the pressure off Kevin Colbert and his staff of trying to find a safety early in the draft. And uh, it doesn't take away the importance of finding an inside linebacker, but if that inside linebacker you want isn't there in the first round, now at least you have Bostic, who could be a stopgap starter for you, and then you go ahead and take the best player available. So um, they were dealt a, a bad hand with a Ryan Shazier injury, that really changed um, the way this draft was going to unfold for them. So, you know, considering that you know they really had you know three months to sort of figure that out after that injury, I think you know Kevin and his staff have, have done a pretty good job, and I think the draft is really wide open now. And I, I think that as a GM, I think that's what you really want.
2: That's a great point. You want to set yourself up to not need to grab a guy, but grab really the best player available at a position of need. And if you can go out and fill some roles in terms of depth, then uh, that's certainly uh, what that can wind up helping you do. Ray Fittipaldo uh, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, You even just did a mock draft for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I thought an interesting take on it, Ray.
4: Yeah, Adam, and i uh You know, I've gotten some some feedback on uh, Twitter and other social media platforms. I guess a lot of people didn't read the 25-inch story I did before (laughs) the mock draft. I was saying if Vander Esch and Evans are there, I would still take them. But you have to prepare for the worst-case scenario. And I have seen some mock drafts where all four of those linebackers are gone. So it was a really interesting exercise for me um, to look at what would be the next step. You know, I would want to still improve the defense. Do you take another outside linebacker when you really haven't been great at developing those guys in the past, say, five, six years? Um, do you take another corner? I don't think so. Do you take a safety? Um, I don't think so. You just signed Burnett. So, you know, that really led me back to the defensive line. And, um, you know, I was really struck by what uh, Art Rooney said after the season about the, the run defense being soft. Kevin Colbert doubled down on that. Um a day or so later. So I, I think they're really concerned about that. They don't want to have what happened in the Jacksonville games happen to them again again this year. Um, so if you don't have an inside linebacker there that you really, really want, I think defensive line could be an option for them. And, you know, you get a big dominant player in the middle of that defense like you had many years ago when Big Snack was here. He's
3: pounding down, loaded up trucking are we gonna do what they say can't be
0: done breaker breaker one nine keep it easy because we got a local yokel in the bushes hanging paper and taking donations on green tree near the mud stand at manila pull that hammer back and slow your roll to avoid that toll you see a miss piggy a brown bear baby bear bear in the air or bear in the bushes give us a holler we'll save you the freight 412-922-2874 and remember you keep your shiny side up and your skins on the ground
1: He's found it
0: down, up and chuck it. Ray, I think that the moves that
2: the Steelers have made at inside linebacker and now it's safety, and more so even with the safety, I think that can really help the dime defense if the Steelers were to pick a safety earlier in the draft, if it were to fall that way.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's certainly an option for them, too. As much as they, you know, they play with five and six defensive backs now, um, you know, that's I think a safety could be on the board any time in round two or after. So um, that, that's definitely something that's on the table. And um, I actually think with Cam Sutton already being in the fold, that they have perhaps some of the pieces um, already in place to do that. But, um, listen, if you have a safety who's high on your board in the second or third round and you think he could be a difference maker for you, um, I think they would go ahead and pull the trigger on something like that too.
2: I want to talk about Sutton a little bit more, because this is something that's been floated out a lot recently. Uh, I think if you put Sutton on the field, then, especially in a dime situation, you're probably putting your best defensive backs all on the field, maybe your best 11 even at that point uh, on the field. And I just think the Steelers have bought themselves a lot of versatility, Ray.
4: Yeah, you know where I think Cam Sutton will fit in this year? And I'm not rolling out that they might challenge Artie Burns um, in training camp. But assuming Artie Barnes retains that job, I think Cam Sutton's going to be your top reserve cornerback um, if there's an injury, and he's going to slide into that role um, as the as sort of a, the guy linebacker that William Gay has has played the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I think they really like Mike Hilton. He, he's good against the run, um, and he I think he did a really solid job in the slot this year. But Cam Sutton's going to be that guy who I think steps into William Gay spot. And then, if there's an injury, I think he can he can go ahead and, and play for Joe Hayden like he did this past season, or Artie Burns as well.
2: Right. Thanks a lot for coming on, man. And really enjoyed the mock draft because you get the normal mock draft all the time where this is the best case scenario. This is the best case scenario. I thought that it it helped make fans think, and I thought that was really cool. So appreciate you taking the time, and appreciate you writing that, buddy.
4: All right, Adam. Appreciate
2: you having me on. Talk to you later. Have a nice day. Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up at the top of the next hour, we're going to hear from Sister Irene. We reached out to her, and we're trying to get magic and faith, really, and God on the side of the West Virginia Mountaineers. Will she be able to help us? We'll tell you. As for Ray Talking about Cam Sutton, it's something that Dale Lally has brought up a bunch. And Dale's gone back a while, and he's talked about it. I like that idea. Uh, I think that he can be that guy. And I think he's got the range to be an adequate center fielder. As much as I like Morgan Burnett, I don't think that's his ideal position. And Sean Davis, as much as I like him, too, same thing. Ditto, as they say. A nun joins us next. We're making a habit of it. It's a Crowley show